0: This is Clayton for Podcast Radio Business. We're joined by Nicholas Haji-Sava, a Senior Associate Solicitor in the Personal Injury Team at Slater & Gordon. And we're here to discuss why bosses need to lay foundations to make construction sites safer. Thank you for joining us, Nicholas.
1: My pleasure, Clayton. Thank you for having me.
0: You're most welcome. Tell us about your role at Slater & Gordon.
1: Well, at Slater & Gordon, I'm, uh, as you said, I'm a senior associate. I'm one of the senior lawyers in our serious injury team in London. I particularly specialise in accidents in the workplace, which is obviously very topical with what we're going to be talking about today.
0: So can you tell us more about this research that was recently conducted by yourselves or your colleagues at Slater & Gordon on injuries and safety in the construction industry in Britain?
1: Yes, of course. It's particularly interesting, but at the same time, it's actually quite concerning to see the results that we have gathered through the research that we've done. I think everyone will appreciate that construction sites are high-risk work environments, and it can't be that surprising to know that there are more injuries as a percentage on construction sites than there are in any other workplace. That being said, it shouldn't be something that we readily accept. For people to simply run the risk of going to work on a construction site and feeling unsafe, as about 40% of people have told us, and that, you know, Over three quarters of people who go and work on construction sites have accepted that they have been injured. And again, that is an an astonishing figure when we think about other work environments, which clearly do not carry the same risk, but it's still an extremely high figure to associate with one particular work environment.
0: So what are the most common injuries that are sustained by workers on construction sites? And how do they occur?
1: Well, the majority of the injuries tend to be I say relatively minor in nature by comparison to the extreme serious injuries that can also occur, but cuts and lacerations are, are very well documented. Muscle sprains are also very well documented. Almost half of people who we conducted the research with said that they had had one or other of those forms of injuries. In terms of how the injuries tend to occur, about half of the people said that they tend to occur through slips, trips, and falls, which sounds pretty straightforward. But if you think about how those incidents could occur on a construction site and the sort of risk that they will involve, you know, a trip on a on a pavement and you're going to fall over and, and hurt yourself. But if you were to fall on a construction site, for example, that doesn't necessarily mean you're more you're falling from ground level. You may be working at height, and a fall from height is obviously going to be much more serious. There are other ways in which injuries occur on construction sites, specifically, for example, confrontation with machinery confrontation with moving vehicles where there hasn't been a safe separation between pedestrian routes and vehicle routes. And these are things that are most of the time very easily avoidable, but these Incidents unfortunately occur where there has been a breakdown in the safe management of the environment.
0: And you mentioned slips, trips and falls. Obviously, these can be to a greater or lesser extent. Can you explain how do accidents and injuries on construction sites, how do they affect workers financially? Because not everybody's getting paid on a weekly or monthly salary. And what are the implications for the industry as a whole?
1: That's very true. And you're right to highlight the fact that you know if someone is injured in an accident on a construction site they are often working on day rates type work so there is that conflict for the individuals to whether to acknowledge that they have been injured and you know that's why i think over 40% of people that we researched had said that they had downplayed their injuries because they obviously do not want to carry the risk of having to go off work because that has a direct financial impact compared to other people who are working a salary job. The research that we conducted suggested that people on the average having to take up to 28 days of work could lose over £5,000 in earnings and there's never a good time to be out of pocket by so much money but particularly in, in the current situation we all face. I think it's, um, it only highlights the difficulties that people will have and the conflict they will have in whether to take that time off which they should be and they shouldn't be fearful of that. But naturally, when it's going to affect you financially, um, those are decisions that um, will be very difficult to make. The other way it can affect people financially is if, as is unfortunately the case at times, people who report their accidents and their injuries and take the appropriate time off work are looked at less fondly by the people that they work for. It is illegal to be dismissed for taking time off work because you've been injured. But unfortunately, it does happen. And I think that's one of the other lessons that really needs to be learned across the industry, which is, yes, it's a high risk environment. But if an injury does occur, it should be treated in the same way as it is in any other environment, which is to allow people to treat it appropriately, allow it to be reported appropriately. Because through reporting, and I'm sure we will get onto this, through reporting, there are lessons that can be learned. And through those lessons, these accidents can be avoided to other people later on down the line.
0: What are the consequences of workers who may be on a day rate or zero hours or limited type of contracts being asked to do work in an area which they're not qualified to do?
1: We get to a point where the individual will have a a conflict and a decision to make. Do they push back and say, I'm not qualified to do this work? Or are they going to be met with the answer that we hear quite often, which is, Well, if you don't do it, someone else will, and then you won't have work to do. If you're being told you won't have work to do and you're on a zero hours or you're on a day rate, again, has a direct financial implication for the employee, for the worker, even if it's someone who is self-employed. So these are positions that people should not need to be put in. Um, If a workplace, if a construction site is being managed appropriately, the right people with the right skill sets will be given the correct jobs to do. And that will allow people to to work as they have been promised to work, but also to work safely and without risk of of injury. Again, statistically, you know, there's a high percentage of people who said that they have been asked to do work that they weren't suitably qualified to do. That I'm sure would breach any risk assessment that would have been undertaken by the site contractors, the principal contractors. And there isn't really a need for people to be pushed into a situation where they have to choose money over their own health and safety simply to get by.
0: How can workers be encouraged to report their safety concerns and injuries without fear of retribution or punishment? Because obviously we are living in a cost of living crisis and times are very hard. Everybody's trying to hang on to whatever employment they can get.
1: Absolutely. I think there's a number of things that, that everyone needs to take on board when it comes to reporting. The reporting of an incident is not you saying to someone you have done something wrong necessarily and I have been injured because of it. It is a way of documenting an incident that has happened. And in the very first instance, it's a way, as I said earlier, for the site, the people responsible for the site to learn about things that are going on on site and to manage the risks further. It is not a one-size-fits-all situation. It is not a do it once and then leave it alone. If there are specific types of incidents occurring on a site, the contractors the principal contractors, the site managers should be learning things as they go and adapting to the situation that they're finding on the ground. And that is a positive thing to make sure that your site is constantly being fluid and changeable, which is promoting health and safety. Right. For the individual, reporting it is imperative because you want to let the really appropriate people know what's happened to you. You want to let them know that you may need to be treated. And so the message that we're trying to get across is treat it immediately if it needs treating report it immediately if it needs reporting, because that's one way of documenting what has happened to you. And if there are other ways of documenting what has happened in terms of taking photographs or or speaking to people that were nearby, do so as well. It's important that that step and those those three steps in particular taken as quickly as possible. But reporting shouldn't be seen as Dobbing your employer in, Mm. it is a way of monitoring what's going on. It's a way of learning and it's a way of self-responsibility on site being promoted and allowing through higher levels of self-responsibility. You would automatically get a collective responsibility, which would feed up and down the chain and allow everyone to feel more comfortable in the situation they find themselves in on on those sites. When you're finding people saying that 50 percent of sites could be made safer and 40 percent of people saying they feel unsafe at work. Those are far too high for us to accept simply because of the the sites that people are working on. Construction, yes, it can be dangerous, but it doesn't need to be that dangerous if the risks are managed and if people are treated appropriately, they are protected and everyone has an element of self and collective responsibility. The sites can be made safer and these avoidable accidents can be prevented.
0: So how can workers be educated about their rights and responsibilities when it comes to safety and construction sites?
1: It's twofold as a minimum, really. First of all, on-site, everyone who is going to work on a site should be given the, the right information to be able to do their job safely, the appropriate training and guidance to do their job safely. Of course, they should be given the work that they are qualified to do, as we've touched upon. But from an individual perspective, People can learn about more ways of keeping themselves safe on construction sites, as an example. If you look on the gov.uk website, for example, there's information about the regulations and the laws. I know that can be quite tedious at times, but also through the HSE and their website, it's a very informative website which gives a lot of guidance about steps that can be taken by the individuals and steps that can be taken by the companies to make sure that everyone is kept safe. If you are keeping yourself safe on site through your own education, through the training on site your neighbour to your left and your neighbour to your right are also going to be safer by virtue of that and if everyone has that shared responsibility you can see that chain
0: of improvement widening. So even though things seem maybe slightly negative in certain aspects there are some promising innovations and technologies being used to improve safety on construction sites. Have you managed to hear of any of these and if so how effective have they been?
1: Clearly as as times move forward construction sites will become safer through different methods that are now available that haven't been available historically. Machinery is becoming more advanced. Equipment to ensure people's safety and detection of risk is becoming more advanced as well. But we shouldn't be leaning on, you know, the automated side of things at the expense of steps that can be taken by individuals and and the working group as a collective, for example. So, yes, well, and and this isn't meant to sound as a negative podcast at all. Of course, the whole idea is to identify where there are issues and then to push forward to say there are ways that they can be improved because naturally looking forward, what you want to see is changes being made and people feeling much more comfortable going to work on these um, construction
0: sites. We can understand what the employers need to do, employees need to do, but what are the responsibilities of policymakers and regulators when it comes to ensuring the safety of workers in the construction industry?
1: Well, I think they need to make sure that the laws surrounding health and safety on construction sites in particular, but and workplaces generally, because the workplace regulations will also impact the construction sites to make sure they're kept up to date to make sure that they are kept relevant to what is going on just making sure that the voices from the people on the ground are being heard if there are any changes that need to be made to uh, the rules and regulations then they should be updated sooner rather than later because what we don't want to have is a, a system on the ground which is progressing faster than the legislation is catching up with it because then you'll find there's a, as you said, as there as there are more advances on the um, on the ground, there will be loopholes, let's say, in the um, in the gaps between what's going on and, and the the regulations that apply to to those sites.
0: So, how are Slater and Gordon helping to support people in construction in order to progress their own safety and the safety of their colleagues?
1: I think the research that we're doing is useful because it highlights what is actually going on on the ground and people are able to tell us things that they may not be willing to say directly. And through that anonymity and through this gathering of statistics, we can highlight where there are certain areas that need to be focused on and need to be improved. And we can use our platform to say to individuals and to the people responsible for sites, look what's going on. These are the things that can be done to change things for the better. We accept, of course, that, you know, construction sites in particular are high risk environments. There is far more machinery, far more personnel at times, equipment on those sites than there are in in the standard workplace. But there is always a way of making sure that the risks that people face can be mitigated to the lowest reasonable level. And we're trying to use our platform to get across the message that actually, while there are all these negative statistics, there is a positive way of turning them around by making sure people are educated, making sure people are appropriately treated when it comes to the culture on work sites. Don't put people off reporting incidents because that's how lessons are not learned. Um, it is of course illegal to dismiss someone for reporting an accident and having to take time off work. You know what we would like to say to the employees is don't make those sorts of decisions just because someone is looking after themselves because by doing that you put people off from doing the right things. so I think there is a not a cultural shift that is needed, but a cultural change in the sense of learning that these things that people can do are not bad, and actually the greater picture is supported more by allowing people to report, take their time off that they need to take, learning from the mistakes that may be made. And ultimately, if everyone takes their responsibilities more seriously at an individual level, and at a company and corporate level, then, as I've said before, these accidents can be prevented in the first place, which makes everyone
0: safer. Excellent. So based on the research and the information that you've gathered, what would be your basic advice Or what would be the advice that you would offer to construction workers?
1: I would say it's important to take your own responsibility in hand to begin with. But ultimately, do not fear if you are injured in a workplace like construction sites. Three steps that I think everyone needs to take. Treat it. If you've been injured, make sure you seek the appropriate treatment quickly. Report it to your foreman your site manager to the person responsible for the site so that they can understand what's going on and learn about any changes that can be made for the better and document it as well because what you want to make sure is that all those lessons can be learned with the right information to hand Feed it report it document it if everyone takes those steps i'm sure the sites will become safer in the in the long run
0: thank you very much so in closing off where can our listeners at the podcast radio business find out about Slater and Gordon and also about the report.
1: Our website at www.slatergordon.co.uk has information about the work that we do, in particular the work that we do in supporting employees who are injured in accidents at work, and we have a, a specialist site page that deals with the construction industry and the research that we have taken. So feel free to have a look at that site. Anyone needs any advice or assistance, we're easily contactable.
0: So Nicholas Haji-Sava, Senior Associate Solicitor, Personal Injury Team at Slater & Gordon, thank you for joining us on Podcast Radio Business.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You're most welcome.